It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thank you so much for joining us again this afternoon. Uh, Straight to business today because I have somebody I want you to meet that has a remarkable story. Up until the age of 19, there wasn't a bother on her, but by 22, she was really unwell. And for the last 12 years, she's battled illness. And she's committed her, her thoughts to a new book called But You Look Fine. It's a great title. It's an incredible book and one I've never really come across before where somebody takes you through all the challenges one faces when you are ill over a long period of time. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Claire Wade. How are you, Claire? Hi, Jerry. Thanks so much for having me on. Not at all. You're very, very welcome to the show. I say to you, well done on the book because I've never seen a format like this before because when you have an illness, I'm just thinking, you know, the illness is your focus, but there are so many other aspects around it that you've covered brilliantly. Take us back. You're originally from Galway. You're living in Meath quite a while now, up to 19 years of age. Not the bother in the world on you. father in the world I was just one of these people who ironically never got sick and then kind of from the age of maybe more so 22 onwards and my symptoms just started to snowball which was just so random I couldn't understand what was happening so it kind of began with my hair thinning dry skin and then it moved on to kind of stomach issues bloating and fluid retention and kind of a gnawing pain and then as the years passed it was crippling fatigue then all over aches and pains in my muscles and finally as I reached my 30s it was neurological symptoms like memory loss, blurred vision, kind of an inability to stay awake. It was a bit like being put under general anaesthesia. You just had a few seconds to make it to bed and I just fell asleep for hours. So that's how it progressed. And you went round the house in terms of experts in various medical fields, doctors, consultants, hospitals, etc, etc. And nobody could put their finger on what was wrong with you. 
No. So what happened was, as you said, I did every test you could imagine, MRI, sleep studies, blood tests, and I went to every form of specialist. And unfortunately, although I did get a certain um, range of diagnoses, for example, at 24, I was told I had irritable bowel syndrome and chronic acid reflux. And then at 25, I was told I had chronic fatigue syndrome, 28 fibromyalgia, 29 idiopathic hypersomnia. So I was given a list of different illnesses, but unfortunately, they didn't really have any exact treatments and I was just becoming more and more ill. So I knew something was missing, that uh, something wasn't quite being picked up on. So that's kind of um, how I ended up then at 30 being diagnosed with chronic Lyme or MSIDS. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's multiple systemic infectious disease syndrome. You will never forget the 12th of December 2017 because that was the day that the Lyme disease and the other syndrome was confirmed to you. I suppose that day uh, and reading your book, you feel, wow, at long last relief, (laughs) they found out what's wrong with me. But nothing could be further from the truth. This wasn't the end of your journey, perhaps only the beginning. No. So first of all, I was like, what is this uh, chronic Lyme, you know, multiple systemic thing? And I was, it was just kind of explained to me that it was a collection of infections over the years that had damaged my immune system and caused, caused chronic inflammation. So I suppose over the years, I'd glandular fever and I lived in a house with mold. And at some stage, I was bitten by a tick. And all of these things added up um, to weaken my body. So I suppose that I went to my consultant. I was so excited. I left my job in Ashburn and I said I'll be back in eight months fully better fully cured I was so over the moon that Christmas is one of my best Christmases but I began the treatment which took I was with that consultant for three years and I began the treatment and I was really optimistic but unfortunately for me it was unsuccessful so although it helps a lot of people they do say the longer you've had Lyme the harder it is to treat. So I began multiple antibiotic treatment and herbal supplements, all a variety of different things. But unfortunately, I just plateaued rather than improving. I didn't get sicker, but I just didn't improve. So yeah. you're not improving. And, and, and you know, one thing strikes me, uh, began at 19, really kicked in at 22, 12 years of mm. this, you finally get a diagnosis. And one one line that jumps at me from the book clinging to hope in times of despair. How did you keep going when you weren't getting answers? Yeah, so when I wasn't getting answers, I suppose my symptoms were so terrifying, particularly the one where I couldn't, I hadn't the ability to stay awake. So that's very scary when you're, you know, teaching, driving, all these kind of things, that it wasn't even... It was just pure fear. I had to figure out what this was because at times I just felt like I was poisoned. There's no way to explain the symptoms, but sometimes I'd barely be able to breathe. It was like there was a lack of oxygen in my body and my body was shutting down. So I suppose more so out of, you know, hope, it was also out of terror. I just couldn't stop searching until I found something that even, you know, brought me to a place of plateauing rather than getting worse. You also say that, you know, one of the biggest fights you have when you're somebody like this uh, and you can't pinpoint what's wrong with you, but you have all these things wrong with you. The fight for validation, acceptance and support, not just with the medical people, but in your family circle, with your friends, in your work environment. 
Yes, that's it exactly. Now, luckily, I'm very good. Uh, my family always believed me. Um, my friends at work were so good, but I would have lost a lot of friends along the way where I suppose they would look at me and think, well, she looks fine. Her test results are clear. Um, what is wrong with her? You know, so you'd kind of, it's very hard to get the symptoms across to someone when you look physically well. So that was really challenging. And I suppose, you know, uh, certain people wouldn't have had the patience for it and you would have mm. lost those those people along the way. Yeah. But you say it's so important that, you know, you keep fighting for that validation until you eventually get it. I think of one story where you said a very supportive friend, uh, you know, who was with you all the way and then suddenly did exactly what you said there. They said, oh, come on, Claire, get a grip here. That That hit you hard, didn't it? Oh, yeah, that, that it's in chapter four of my book. Yeah, that one particular uh, friend and that one particular story. Uh, so supportive at the beginning when I got the diagnosis of chronic Lyme, so supportive throughout treatment. And then somewhere along the line said, look, we all have aches and pains, but we all work, we all get on with it. So what's your problem? And that just hit me like a ton of bricks because I suppose I wasn't, I wasn't capable of returning to teaching. It wasn't even my own choice. Like medically, I could not return to teaching. So you were stuck in a kind of a, you know, no man's land, just doing your absolute best. And if you can imagine being in chronic pain day in, day out, that's hard enough without having to hear the people closest to you telling you, you know, you're not trying hard enough. And uh, that was very, very upsetting. So it went in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a real touching moment when, when you write about it. So where are you today with this? Uh, you, you sound very upbeat and people listening today would say, God, that young one's in fine fettle all together. Tell us where you are with this <laughs> and, and, and where where the journey goes now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose that's the thing. I've been sick for so long, so over a decade that I actually can't remember the feeling of being healthy. So I try not to let it affect my personality and I am quite an upbeat person. So I don't, I try not to let, let it get me too down. Mm. So where I am at the minute is there's actually no FDA approved treatment for chronic Lyme. So it's a tricky one. All that really, all that's for offered to us in Ireland is the, um, uh, multiple antibiotics for a long period of time. So I suppose now that I've that done, I kind of look to what's available in Ireland, things like IV vitamins, you know, there's a range of things in Ireland like infrared therapy, oxygen therapy. And what I do is every few months, I add something new into the list to give it a go as such, because it's a bit like a lottery. There's just no proven treatment and everything costs so much money. And it's a tricky one because I suppose chronic illness affects every aspect of your life, financial, relationships, everything. So I suppose what I'm trying to do is just keep the treatments going. I always do biomagnetic uh, therapy and then every few months I throw in something new um, into the mix in the hope that that might be the little missing puzzle piece. And the same with supplements, I might add in something new every now and then. And I, I just keep hoping that maybe if something was discovered for long COVID, that that could help me because I have very similar symptoms to people yeah. who have long COVID. Isn't that a terror that you have to do all of this yourself? You do mention a Dr. Richard Horowitz in New York City, who yeah. is a man who has uh, been involved in this field of work for such a long mm. time and recognised as well. Do you see any hope in his work or developments abroad? 
Yeah, so I suppose I'm constantly following TikTok Ireland, which is the support group for people with Lyme and chronic Lyme in Ireland. And they're great. They share all the latest research. And I suppose a lot of research is going into, you know, preventing people from getting Lyme to begin with. Mm. But there's not so much research going on into, well, what about the people who've had Lyme for decades and they need help there? So I would listen to his, you know, the work that he does, podcasts, different things like that, functional doctors. And I do kind of see the list of what they're suggesting and I'd say right okay I'll try that supplement now so because they've mentioned that but it is a bit like being your own doctor and kind of watching videos and trying new things and figuring things out for yourself because I suppose that's all you can do because the one specialist in infectious diseases in Ireland is at a place where there's nothing more he can do for me and um, so I'm at a place I suppose then where I have to try and just research and try new things and just hope that one day something will um, just help in a in some way so yeah Mm, hope springs eternal and I don't have to tell you that you are a woman who lives that every day but coming back to the book that you sent me I I, I want to talk about this again for a moment because what you've done in this book which I never saw before is despite the fact that you're searching for this panacea that will restore your good health this book really concentrates and it's for anybody who's living with a long-term chronic condition in my opinion you talk about things like having a good GP and a close relationship with them, how this illness affects your work, your finances, medical benefits, insurance, income continuance, pension, you know, all those type of areas that come into play, don't they, Claire, that you don't think about? Yeah. Yeah, so I suppose what I did was I decided to write a book for 22-year-old me to go back in time Mm. and also a book to help people. I wanted it to be a chronic illness, kind of little Bible or one-stop shop. So what I did was I divided it into three parts. So one part is my story, in case people can relate to it. Then the next part is the practical aspects of living with a chronic illness. So as you said, tips to get the most from medical appointments, advice on your entitlements, you know, creating and maintaining healthy habits and advice on gut health, hormonal well-being, all these kind of things from experts in their field. But most importantly, the third element of the book is the social and emotional impacts of living with a long-term illness. So it's so tough mentally. So I talk about healthy coping skills for those feelings like kind of guilt and frustration and then how to respond to hurtful comments, traveling, dating, relationship tips Mm. and then creating a social life and most importantly as well how to pull through on the days where you're bed bound and some people are months in their bed, years in their bed and it's just so hard to maintain hope when all you see is four walls and a trip from the bed to the bathroom is all you do in a day. So, yeah, so I just wanted it to be a book of hope as well as another thing as well as oftentimes when I looked for a book like this, it was a story of a person who was sick and got better, sick and got better, sick and got better. And I was like, where is there a book where it's someone who's sick and is still sick? Because I wanted a book where someone was in my shoes. Oh, you have certainly nailed it, uh, young lady, with this book for sure. And I I was going to come on to that. That third part is so significant uh, as well. When you reflect, as you said, this book is for the 22-year-old you. Do you ever uh, regret or get angry that had you been diagnosed sooner, maybe life would be different? And the other thing I suppose is what really got to me was a lot of doctors along the road said my blood results were clear, I looked fine and that it was all in my mind and I needed to accept that I was healthy and just 
you know, just get on with things. And then because of that, for about three years, I nearly gave up and I just kind of focused on therapy, mind book you know, kind of mind-body connection, all this kind of thing. And you know what I did? I pushed myself harder. I was so angry at myself for creating a made-up illness that I just, I made myself more and more and more ill because I refused to rest because it was all in my head. And if I hadn't done that, I don't actually think I would have gotten this sick. I just drove myself to, to being really, really ill from pushing myself, whereas I wish I had the confidence to stand up to a, just a handful now of doctors who refuse to believe me and say, no, we just haven't done the right test yet. I really am not imagining these symptoms. And I suppose when there was a handful of friends, I suppose who were also saying to me that maybe I was imagining things, it did get in on me and I started to believe that, you know, this truly was just created in my imagination so yeah that's my biggest um upset is that i didn't trust myself and mm. then yeah i just i just didn't realize about lime in ireland and I, I never had heard of it before and i just didn't know i suppose until it was too late yeah yeah no you've uh You've done a great job, I say, with this book and your story is remarkable. I only wish as we finish today and I hope that you do uh, find a time in the near future when your full health is restored. Where is this where is this book available? But you look fine is the name of the book. Yeah, so easily enough, it's on www.butchelookfine.ie and it's €17 and I just get it printed off myself and then I just, you know, package it up in the kitchen and drop it down to the post office. So fingers crossed a few people will be interested. (laughs) Ah, they will indeed. I wish you well and I thank you for joining me on my show today. Oh, thank you so, so much, Jerry, and thanks to all your listeners. Thank you. Take care of yourself, Claire. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Claire Wait, I have a copy of her book and I want to give it to somebody. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Claire Waite's book, But You Look Fine. I have my copy here to give to one of you. Are you somebody living with a long, long-term long condition or do you know somebody who's living with such a condition? I'd love to give the book to somebody who would really benefit from it. If you do or if you are... WhatsApp or text me now to 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658 if you'd like a copy of this book. It's terrific, I have to say, and I'll send it out to somebody this afternoon. Just tell me why. Send me a little message and we'll pick somebody for it. Coming up after two on late lunch, truffles. I was watching uh, a programme last night uh, about Dubai and a guy there from Italy. I think he was married to, well, she sound Irish-American, moved there, sold truffles to the restaurants. He could make €10,000 on one sale of truffles. Imagine, they are so valuable. You can grow them in Ireland. They are in Ireland. Professor Paul Thomas knows all about them as, and is joining me on the show after two o'clock to have a chat about it. But in the meantime, Ashling Murphy was laid to rest today in her native Tullamore. And we want to remember her short but wonderful life and remember her family and friends at this time with this one.
Thank you, Melissa. You'll find us all somewhere over the rainbow one day, Jerry. That is a fact for all of us. A lovely choice of song. Thank you indeed, Melissa, Ruth, Orla and others uh, with the similar comments there to us as we remembered Ashling Murphy just before two here on Late Lunch with that beautiful song Over the Rainbow. Now we move on on the show this afternoon. I mentioned to you before too, I was watching a programme on Dubai on BBC Two last night. Oh my God. Well, there are 52,000 millionaires living living in Dubai. Incredible, isn't it? Ah, how the other half live for sure. But interestingly, in the context of my next guest, there was an Italian man who moved there some years ago and he was involved in the truffle business, importing them, selling them on and making a fortune. They're very valuable, you know. But did you know that here in Ireland, uh, the first cultivated truffles, it was announced, were produced in November 2021. And I'm delighted to say the man behind the move here in Ireland and elsewhere, Professor Paul Thomas, the managing director of the company involved, joins me on the show today. Paul, good afternoon. Uh, hi there, Jerry. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Interesting, the first uh, cultivation announced. But I just note that site was planted 10 years ago with the trees that encouraged the truffles. So this is a long term project for anybody who might be considering going into the business today. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's two things to note, really, with that timeline. So the uh, the truffle is a very slow growing fungus and it grows on the root system of uh, very young trees. So we start with very young trees and then as they grow, the whole system grows and develops. And it typically takes about six years. So elsewhere in northern Europe, we've seen it's taken about six years. This one in an island took a little bit longer. And that's primarily because um, the site had never been hunted, actually. So November was the first time we took a scent train, truffle scent train dog on there and uh, and very excitingly found the first truffles. And quite a, an amount of them as well. Yeah, so the, the first day um, we found a few hundred grams and then took the dog over again just last week, in fact. And right now we're completely out of season, so we don't normally produce in January. And took the dog across and uh, lifted a couple of hundred grams again. So that was uh, <laughs> really exciting, you know, and it's completely out of season. So it's unusual as well from that point of view. So it's a, it's a good start. So is the season like other fungi? And I know you're a fungi uh, expert, a- a- along with truffles. You know, when our fungi start to appear, let's say from late summer, early autumn through to late autumn time. Is that your peak with truffles too? Yeah, interestingly, actually, it almost exactly overlaps. So that that peak of fungi fruiting also occurs with uh, with this truffle species, which is um, 
uh, a native species actually to Ireland as well, this black truffle. But um, yeah, so the peak for it is September, October, and sometimes late August and and early November. For, so definitely that kind of time period. So the hope is great that this is going to produce prolifically over the coming years. Tell our listeners, because I want them to get a context on this. I know you mentioned hundreds of grams, but tell them how much truffles can make. Yeah, sure. So this this species um, last year was selling for around about nine hundred uh, euros a kilo. So that was uh, the prices in December. So it's pretty uh, it's pretty mm. valuable. It's not the you know it's not thousands of euros a kilo, but still nine hundred you know euros mm. for a very small amount of produce is a uh, is is really quite good. And it's there's only four truffle farms so far in Ireland. So it's a very niche thing at the moment. But this has given us confidence to say, look, the climate's right, the technology's working, and we can really expand this and take on more sites. So it's a really exciting beginning. Now, you are looking for sites. What are you looking for? Low land, good land, bad land, high land, any land? Yeah. <laughs> so the the key things we want to uh, we want to avoid, actually, from a truffle point of view, are sites with very high wind, uh, so that would be sites at elevation or right on the coast because the trees just don't grow so well there. We also want to avoid soils which are um, like old heathlands, so very acidic heath or peat. That, that's not so good. But most of the other soil types actually in Ireland are really quite good and easy to work with. And it, it loves alkaline soils. So that, you know, that limestone belt on the west coast and, and some other areas in Ireland are per- pretty much perfect conditions already. And other sites which are a bit more acidic, we just add lots of limestone to the soil to get it into a really good condition for uh, truffle cultivation. And that's what we did on that site that produced as well. Mm. What types of trees are you talking about? Is it one species or a number? Yeah, so we're using a number and trees are divided into two categories. So some trees which will form this this type of uh, fungi association, which is what we call uh, mycorrhizal or ectomycorrhizal, and trees which don't. So the trees we don't use are fruit trees, uh, apples, plums, pears, and uh, sycamores. But the ones we do use, and the ones we've used in this case, are oaks, uh, hazels, beech, and even lime. Um, mm. So yeah, they're all trees that do very well in these Ireland, in these islands, Great Britain and Ireland. I know, and we have ideal uh, climate for them and soil type, as you say. Just on on an aside, if you take right what you're trying to do, but today in Ireland, are there woodlands, forest areas where there are naturally occurring truffles? Yeah, actually, Jerry, there are just very small amounts, though, because this um, the truffles are very uh, slow growing fungus. It dislikes competition and it normally needs an area for it to naturally be there. It needs an area which has been in woodland for a very long period of time. And of course, in Ireland, you know, a lot of the woodland was lost, um, yeah. you know, hundreds of years ago. A lot of it was uh, was taken out and then a lot of it, the woodland that exists today is regrowth. So there is some truffle, but very, very small amounts. So we're, what we're trying to do is recreate those conditions and bring it back and, and make it really thriving. And climate is crucially important. So Ireland is brilliant because we've got the rainfall, summer rainfall, and really mild winters. And that really, really helps. Whereas in the Mediterranean region, there's a there's a climate change story going on there with truffles declining in quantity. Mm. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll fill some of that gap. Just in the modus operandi of the way it happens. So you put in your plantation on the ideal land, you leave it there. You know the way mushroom mm-hmm. growers use spawn to grow the mushrooms that we pick up in our supermarkets and stores locally or whatever. Do you have to mm-hmm. implant anything into the ground spores along with the tree plantation? 
Yes, uh, in, a, in a manner of speaking, we do. So this is a, a different kind of species to the one we see on supermarket shelves. Those ones on supermarket shelves, typically they decompose organic matter. So mm. you can grow them on, on straw and things like this. The truffle needs a living tree and it helps the tree to grow and the, truff- and the tree helps the truffle to grow. So what we do is we start with seeds and we start in the lab and we grow them up very carefully and we introduce the fungus to the root system of that tree and it takes us about a year and then we, it forms an association where it goes in between the roots of that, uh, the root cells of that tree. And once we know that is happy and healthy and that is a symbiotic as one organism, you know, they're working together and they become joined then we plant it out into the field and then it then it takes a number of years to mature from that point of view and by extension when you crop it after a number of years does it automatically return are you constantly seeding into the ground yeah good question actually so the the actual truffle is the fruiting body so it's like picking the apple of an apple tree so the truffle's got all the spores or the seeds in to make more truffles you know to infect more trees but it's just the fruiting body so the bulk of the organism is on the root system of that tree and in the soil and we're just pulling out um the truffles which are like picking apples from an apple tree Mm. so from that point of view yeah it will produce year on year and that's uh yeah quite exciting are you finding from your experience that when this begins and and your trees and and the truffles you plant you know that there's almost guaranteed success or is there risk involved yeah, there's, there's definitely risk. So, um, and the, the biggest risk really uh, that, that I see are people who plant trees and then forget about them. You know, they plant mm. trees, they forget about them, they're not doing good management, they're not monitoring them, they cross their fingers, hope for the best, and then maybe go back in seven or eight years and look for truffles. And it's, it's not a good approach, you know. You need, what you need to do is plant the trees, really look after them, treat it like an orchard, and be checking the root system every year. So most of our sites, we check the roots every year, we make sure the fungus is nice and healthy and happy, we check the soil conditions, and it's, it's like any crop, you know, you have to be involved. Whereas if you just plant them and forget about it, then it's uh, less likely to succeed that way. Now, along with truffles and trees and land and whatever, you need a dog with a nose. Tell me more about this, because this is a specialist area for these uh, pooches who pick up the truffles. Yeah, that's right. So we've got the the high-tech side, which is working in the lab and getting the fungus to grow and producing the trees. And then the actual harvesting of the truffles is still quite um, low-tech, really. But I say low-tech, but a dog's nose is incredibly incredibly sensitive and because the truffles grow below ground we need to be able to find them and the best way to do that is with a scent trained dog and they they work phenomenally well you know so we train them on the truffle aroma they go out into the orchard run up along the rows that our best ones sit and they put their paw where the truffle is we go and dig up the truffle and then reward them with a tennis ball or a or a or a rub or a or a little bit of cheese or something and uh, and they happily continue so for the dogs it's just a, a great big game but they're uh, they're unrivaled you know in terms of their ability to find truffles they're, they're brilliant so you'll even supply the dog uh, yeah, well, we do. So we've got we've got a number of trainers, uh, yeah, across Northern Europe working on it. So yeah, it's a specialist thing, you know. So uh, yes, yeah. yes, it is yeah. indeed. Uh, I was really curious, and I'm delighted to uh, speak to you today and find out more about it for listeners today. And this will go far and wide uh, online on podcasts and apps or whatever. If anybody listening today had tweaked something with them, how would they get in touch? Is your best way. Yeah, so the best the best way is uh, the website. So we've got a website which is plantationsystems.com, which is all one word. 
and there's a contact form on there and whether it's a research question so if you want to do research collaboration or if it's someone who wants to set up a truffle site just get in touch there and uh, yeah and we'll help you out be very very happy to help I wish you well, and uh, they are special. I understand why they're so costly. I've had the pleasure of enjoying them. Not often, but from time to time, and they are something, something else. And you've heard today, there's great scope here in Ireland for truffles in the future. I wish you well, and thank you for joining me, Professor Paul Thomas. Brilliant. Thank you, Jerry. Pleasure to speak to you. Thank Not you. at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't that interesting? Uh, another form of fungi uh, that can be grown here in Ireland. Uh, there's, an op- there's an opportunity there. There are many opportunities there, for sure. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Short break and we're back with your number two on Tuesday. At this time on Tuesday in 2022, I'll spin a disc for you. Yes, a single that never made it to number one, but all the way to number two. Today, 1.26 million copies. It's sold in the UK alone, but it couldn't make it to number one. It's 1995 and Oasis. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Yes, Oasis and Wonderwall, it only, only made it to number two in the UK in 1995 Hard to believe, isn't it? And all the sales it had, but it couldn't dislodge something from number one spot. And Louise, are we ready to go with our number one? Yes, we have it here for you. This is the song that kept Wonderwall off number one. I believe for every drop of rain that falls. A flower grows I believe that somewhere In the darkest night A candle glows I see the sky Then I know why I believe Ah yes, Robson and Jerome I let that go a little bit there, Louise Because you know what? I actually like that song. I really do. It was the number one that kept Oasis and Wonderwall off number one. Do you like it? Do you like it yourself? Uh, was it meant to be a Christmas song and they just mistimed it? <laughs> well, that's not a bad theory, to be honest with you. I remember that song, and I'm showing my age here, when The Bachelors released that. The Bachelors, Irish lads. They weren't Big time in England. <laughs> no, you don't know what I'm talking about. You no do idea. not know. Louise doesn't know what I'm talking about. Folks, the Bachelors, there are people out there who remember the Bachelors. They were Irish lads in England around the time that Val Dunigan was getting going and that as well. And they had a big hit with that one, I know. And that was the one that kept Wonderwall at bay. It was a double A side, actually, I believe. And Up on the Roof uh, was the other uh, song there. But there you go. Well, yeah, yeah. Completely two different songs. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. get any. 
Mm. More different, could you? Mm. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> Completely different altogether. But they are like that. Last week, mm. no, I wasn't with you. Uh, and you're not, you know <laughs> I'm what not really with you. Don't really. Know what to, you don't know what to think this week, to be honest with you. But uh, that was the song that denied Oasis, that particular song, reaching number one in the charts. And we will have another two on Tuesday for you at the, this stage of the show, please God, next week. Um, you were talking to me about, I, I forgot to mention this, uh, e- e- look, we shouldn't even be mentioning it, but Easter's in mid-April, I think this year, it's a bit later, but I, w- I was saying to you, I remember, I went up to Tesco, I think it was on the 2nd of January, and they had the Cadbury's cream eggs out <laughs> on the 2nd of January. That's no joke in you. Um, Easter eggs. They're on the shelves. They are. Anybody bought one yet? They're on the shelves. This, oh, I still have them. stuff from Christmas. I still have roses and hidden. Don't get me started on that. Uh, we have a, we have a lot of stuff as well, and I'm shipping it out at the moment um, because you just couldn't eat the amount of stuff. To be honest, with you. <laughs> my just family couldn't. could. You'd my like, kids could. Could they? You'd be like an oompa loompa if you if you had all the stuff. But <laughs> do you hide stuff from? Yeah, your I have to. Do you? They would eat. Yes. And, you know, if they get home earlier than me or they're left in the house, for, they will go through <laughs> methodically every single press, every... I've tried to hide everything. I'm short of hiding them actually in the washing machine at this stage. They find the hiding places all the time and then they eat them and then they deny they've eaten them. Uh, I thought you Not were... I, we all thought, didn't we, folks? We all thought she was a nice mammy. We did. And now- I am. I am protecting their health. They would go through. They would just eat about 10 packets a day. They just keep eating. They're a munching machine. It remembers me. It reminds me of years ago. And if he's listening today, I want to say hello to him. Paddy Carr, my good friend on the North Road in Drogheda and his mother used to hide. You could find biscuits and chocolate anywhere in watering cans. <laughs> in the garage and they'd be hidden. Because yeah. we were like that at the stage. We'd munched, but we had nothing. We had nothing, I have to say. We exercised. It wasn't a pick on us either. And it was a real treat. But I think of her today, Lord rest her. And and what we had, we've such uh, enjoyment thinking about it years later. Tell them what what did you do with the Nutella? Well, you see, what did you do with the Nutella? They, now, come on, tell them. They, I'm I'm just sick of over the Christmas. Like you found a bar, like a pack of roses. Yeah, opened. Who opened them? Who ate them all? I hid them purposely. <laughs> they were meant mess. to go. Nobody, nobody. So there is no biscuits left at the minute. Okay. Nothing in the house apart from a jar of Nutella <laughs> that I know would be gone. Where did you hide it? They're not listening at the minute. Where's the Nutella? Just please, please tell me. Where is oh it? Oh my God. Um, I've hidden it in a makeup bag. <laughs> and I hope some night that you take it out and put it all over your face. It might be nice moisturiser. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then you can lick it off your face or scrape it off and lick it. <laughs> Nutella. It, it, it. I bet you there's people out there with brilliant hiding spots. for. And I, I like me, I bet you they, they hide the sweets and the biscuits. Do you think so? Yeah, I reckon people do a big shop and they put in X amount of biscuits or whatever and they don't want them to last <laughs> one day so they have to hide them. <laughs> do you hide the biscuits and the chocolates and the sweets? Is Louise right? Do you, mammies, are you out there? Daddies, are you hiding the sweets and biscuits? <laughs> do you agree with our Louise? I you had have them in the hide. boot before Christmas. I showed you that. <laughs> oh no, she had. She had them in the boot. everything the in the boot. <laughs> I'm they not joking yet. She says, come on. Come found my spare key. <laughs> <laughs> Come out here, she says, till I show you this. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, do you hide them at home, folks? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. 086-1800-658. No, I, I know in a series, no. <laughs> they, they would munch through a lot. Yeah. 
Anyway, nobody admits. I'll not tell you. It was a mouse. It was a mouse. Now, it wasn't was, a mouse. Must have a lot of mouse. That's that's why we got a cat. <laughs> no, I'm still the cat. It's the cat. You know what I'm laughing. I'm saying a novena now that some <laughs> night in the dark you decide to <laughs> put that Nutella all over. Oh my God Almighty! It's Cocoa beans. They're good for your skin. <laughs> oh, aren't very they? good. Oh, very good. Cocoa butter. Oh, listen, listen. You couldn't put better than Nutella on your face <laughs> and jaw. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, late lunch, LMFM Radio. We have a good friend of ours joining us next. You know him well. He's Connor Curley from Dundalk. He developed Phytofix uh, and he's now uh, developed a new food supplement that seriously, and he'll tell you all about it, helps with our immune system and the fight against COVID. Connor, coming up next on your late lunch. Now, from the start of the pandemic and when we realised what we were facing, from time to time on late lunch, we've been talking about the issue of nutrition and supplements in the fight against COVID-19 and to enhance immunity. Dr. Dan McCartney, a big proponent of uh, vitamin D and his team, really uh, waxing lyrical about it with us from the middle to late last year. And a man who's been on with us as well during the last two years to talk about this is back with us today. He's a brilliant guy. He's the founder and CSO of Phytofix and he has something new to tell us about. Dr. Connor Kerley, welcome back to Late Lunch. Jerry, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Not at all. Well, look, this is interesting, and I see just uh, we're on the ball here for sure. You're in the Medical Times in, in the last couple of days as well, and there's an extensive feature on you and the new product. Tell our listeners w- where you're coming from here, please. Yeah, so, uh, you know, some of your listeners may remember I've been on before, but basically my background is I'm a, a dietitian and a doctor of nutrition um, from County Loud. Um, and basically, I set up a nutrition company based on my own research and expertise, and a lot of that was uh, kind of cancelled. Uh, our plans were, were changed due to COVID. So we launched an, a general immune uh, health product. Mm. And as you mentioned, since the start of the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of talk around nutrition. But the problem for me as a scientist is that there was no actual research in COVID-19 patients directly. So over the last sort of two years, I've been keeping a really close eye on the, on the medical literature in the, in the scientific journals about what, what, what research teams are trying in COVID patients around the world. And thankfully, at this point, we, knew, we know now that there is some nutrition elements which do actually help. And that's based on kind of gold standard nutrition research in, in COVID patients as such. So... So what you've, what you've done now is you, you've tapped into all this, what you've done previously, and new work as well, and you've come up with this product. Pronounce it for me, please. Yeah, so it's called Covimpac, and that's C-O-V-M-P-A-Q. Yes. And each letter corresponds to an ingredient in the product. So we've got seven ingredients, seven letters in Covimpac, so C-O-V-M-P-A-Q, and each letter corresponds to an ingredient in the product. So take so, us quickly through each of them, Connor. Sure. So we've got curcuminoids, which some some of your listeners may have heard of before. And these are really isolated from the spice turmeric. And some people, if they use turmeric in a curry, for example, will Mm. be familiar with the the yellow yellow pigment getting everywhere on their hands and on the kitchen uh, Mm. uh, knives and so on. So we use curcuminoids and the amount we use is the same as 44 teaspoons of curry powder. So it's pretty powerful, the amount we use. Okay. We also use um, organic vitamin D 
mm. uh, and it's plant-based um, and it's from marine algae. So um, again, I know you, you mentioned Dr. Dan McCartney, yes. so I know Dan very, very well. Um, and I, I'm actually a co-author on the only original Irish data on COVID-19 patients on vitamin D in Ireland. Um, so yeah, vitamin D, definitely a, a fan of that. Um, we also use vitamin B12 from Irish mushroom. We also use magnesia from an Irish sea mineral complex and something called piperin, which is an element from black pepper. But we use the same amount of piperin, that's 42 sachets of black pepper. So again, quite a lot. Um, and then we use uh, something called ashwagandha, which again, some of your listeners may have heard of, but this is regarded as the most important herb in Ayurvedic medicine. And it's very popular in India and, and Bangladesh and Indonesia and so on. Um, and the final one we use then is quercetin. So quercetin is a flavonoid nutrient and it's found in things like red onions and tea. And the amount we use is the same as 8.4 million cups of tea. So you can see we really pack a, a huge amount of nutrition from these seven specific nutrients into into the product. Coven oh, pack. it's rocket fuel. Mm. That's for sure when you, <laughs> when you, when you consider the, the, the amount that's in there. So look at uh, just a few general questions I'm sure people yeah. are thinking. All sounds good. Uh, how uh, soon will I benefit if I start taking this? Yeah, so it's a really good question and um, the, we base it on the research which has been done in 19 countries around the world. So what these studies did was provide one or more of these nutrients and we put all of these nutrients together. And most of these studies have actually been very short, especially in terms of science and, and medicine. And some of them have been for 5 to 14 days. So really a very quick benefit, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of mm. things. And it's certainly the, the components like curcumin seems to help with things like fever, cough, sore throat, headaches, chills, yes. and so on. But what we're really targeting is to help people maintain the health of their immune system, to reduce their tiredness and fatigue, also to help them with their psychological function, their muscle function, their nervous function, and then their energy metabolism. So how, how um, much energy they can extract from their food on a daily basis. And obviously things like immune health being really important for COVID-19, also tiredness and fatigue, psychological function, and so on. So... We're really targeting multiple aspects of uh, of health yes. um, with a single product. Yeah, that's great to hear. What's <clears> the <throat> dosage? I, t- I take it you take this on a daily basis, Connor. Yep, absolutely. So we provide it in capsules, which are very uh, easy to take. And uh, they can, of course, be opened up if somebody doesn't like capsules mm. for whatever reason. And they can sprinkle it on their soup or, or porridge or whatever it is. And we recommend four a day for someone who's quite, um, who's feeling run down. And two a day for someone who's just looking to, to maintain where they're at. And the product itself, it's sold in a glass jar. Um, so it's fully recyclable. Um, but each jar contains 60 capsules. So that can be 15 days if you take four a day yes. uh, when you're run down, or it can be 30 days if you're just taking two a day. Yeah, two, and two. then just to mention, it is 100% plant-based, so it's suitable for vegans and vegetarians. It's also gluten-free, and then it's suitable for adults and children, which is really important, um, children over 12. And if I'm uh, dealing with a, a, an ongoing condition, or I'm on medication or drugs for something, no conflict there? There's no conflict. Um, these are all food-based nutrients and there's no reason why any of this would interact with any medical condition or any um, any medication. However, people can feel free to contact us or me directly. And of course, I always recommend that you just keep your medical team uh, updated mm. um, just so they're aware of, of what you may or may not be taking. 
And and Connor, is it advisable? Is this a year round thing? You know the way at times, and and you'd know this growing up yourself. Your mum or whatever would say, when the autumn came in, let's fire the vitamin C supplements in and keep them going round to the springtime. Can you do that, or is it recommended as year round? Yeah, so um, as I say, it's really based on sort of this global research um, when somebody is feeling that little bit run down. However, because it is based on food nutrients, it's absolutely safe for long-term um, long-term use. Um, right now, uh, we're recommending it. Um, but, you know, depending on uh, where, where we are as a nation and as, as, a, as a globe, I suppose, um, you know, it may not be so appropriate in, in a couple of months' time. But as I say, it certainly is very important to, to make sure you're getting certain nutrients um, regardless of, of the time of year. Isn't it uh, so apparent now, Connor? and you're speaking from a scientific point of view to me, that, you know, since the pandemic entered our lives uh, two years ago, almost at this stage, it's become quite clear, hasn't it, that, you know, to be well, to have your immune system boosted as much as possible, uh, to eat well, your whole lifestyle, etc. It's a real weapon against this, isn't it? Yeah, it is, absolutely. And we know that, you know, people who, who maybe were you know, arrived at the, when the pandemic arrived, we were in a healthier position. In other words, had a healthy body weight and a healthy diet and, and, and physical activity levels and so on, that they were less susceptible to, to getting COVID in the first place and also um, were less susceptible to getting severe COVID. Now, unfortunately, you know, COVID seems to have a mind of its own and does seem to affect everybody a little bit differently. Mm. But as I always say, it's really about the odds. So, like, I mean, you know, crossing the road has a risk. You know, living your life in COVID times has a risk. But if you want to stack the odds in your favour, it does certainly seem that having a healthy lifestyle really provides a lot of protection. It doesn't mean that you definitely won't get COVID. It doesn't mean that you definitely won't get severe COVID. But it drastically, drastically reduces your risk. And of course, let's not forget it also reduces your risk of heart disease and diabetes and cancers and so on and so forth. So um, really, really powerful. And I think we're realising a little bit more just how neglected uh, public health and, and lifestyle in general is. But um, maybe that can be one of the, the positives of this yes. uh, awful two years. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, it's a good point to make that it doesn't guarantee, but it certainly uh, sets you fair or puts you in, in a better position. So the work is ongoing and here you are with this new... Uh, product uh, people I know they're listening and saying well wh- wh- where is it Jerry how can we get hold of this <laughs> yeah it's a really good question so we just launched this on the 17th of December just before Christmas and we actually sold out of our first batch and that was only available online so at the moment we've actually exported from County Laos to 23 countries that's far wide as Singapore Vietnam Israel and so on so the demand is, has really been phenomenal at this moment in time, we're only in one retailer, which is Smith's Pharmacy, and that's based in Seatown County, in, in Dundalk. Mm. Um, but um, we are hoping to talk to more retailers, so uh, definitely delighted to hear from that, from those. Um, and it's available uh, at the moment online. So our website is just phytofix.ie, and that's P-H-Y-T-A-P-H-I-X dot I-E. So phytofix.ie, or anybody can just Google the product. So if you just type in Coven Pack into Google, so that's C-O-V, M-P-A-Q, you'll find it. And finally, just the phone number for the company is 083-145-8796. 
And I'll just let you know, Jerry, that I was actually, uh, I could be found doing home deliveries on Christmas Eve, on New Year's <laughs> Eve, all around County Loud, because uh, our orders just went through the roof, and I wanted to make sure everybody got them, uh, you know, over the over the holiday yeah. period. So, always delighted to, to hand deliver when I can, and of course, meet the, the lovely people of Loud and Mead. Ah, uh, listen, you, you're good and, and so committed. You're too good and so committed to what you do. And your real success story and couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But the important message is today, here is another, uh, you know, uh, missile in the armory against COVID-19. Thank you for joining me today, Connor. Wish you well. Thanks a million, Jerry. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Connor Curley there. Fantastic guy. Fighter fix, P-H-Y-T-A. P-H-I-X and the product is C-O-V-M-P-A-Q that you're talking about but Fightafix the website you'll get all the information there great guy based in Dundalk and going places really going places Late Lunch LMFM Radio you don't go anywhere because we want your assistance to find a peacock next Hilarious Jerry. I'm in knots here listening to yourself and Louise Yes you gotta hide the goodies uh, But it's amazing how the children can sniff them out Says Rachel Susan's been on to us I used to hide mine in the dishwasher I never used the dishwasher And my son never thought to look there He used to sniff them out and In all my hidden places But never checked the dishwasher I only told him when he was 18 Oh Susan Go out with that The poor fella when he was 18 <laughs> Jerry, could you give out that name again? Fightafix. Fightafix is the name. P H Y T A F I X. Check them out. Check out their website. Uh, Connor Curley's uh, brilliant company. Now, we need your help, listeners. Verena Stapleton is on the line and something is missing from her life. Hello, Verena. Hi, Jerry. What's the story? Who or what is missing? Uh, Winston, our peacock, is missing. Uh, he got frightened by foxes on Sunday evening and took flight and hasn't really been seen since. So, How long have you had this fella? Uh, we hatched him from an egg in an incubator. So uh, he, was, he hatched on the 2nd of July last year. So he's uh, six and a half months old. And, and how domestic can you make a peacock, tell me? Fairly domestic. I mean, the fact that we raised him from uh, a chick, he's very used to us. Um, the fact that he has a little house uh, that he goes in in the evenings, he's get, getting fed there. Uh, he's comfortable around us, so he can be domesticated enough. But the only thing is we didn't clip his wings, whereas in the zoo where you see them, they normally have them clipped, so they stay on the ground all the time. Uh, and just perch a little bit up high and in hindsight we probably should have done that and he wouldn't have taken off. So here is an example. Winston's wings hasn't been clipped and he's taken flight. Tell us exactly where you are. We are uh, on Greg's Lane so it's in between Navin and Slane on the Slane Road and uh, he took off and he was last spotted Sunday evening by a neighbour because we put it out on our neighbourhood watch WhatsApp group uh, down near Dunmore Castle already and then on the Monday morning I went out and had a look but I couldn't couldn't see him No sign no. of him gone took flight the foxes gave him an old scare and he hasn't been seen he's never been away from you before so would he be sort of lost how would he feed you know all that type of stuff I'm sure you're so concerned about that yeah, in the evening, that's the thing. Like, he wouldn't naturally find his way back in the evenings because the fact he got got a fright and took off, he wouldn't see very well. He couldn't take in any landmarks or anything like that, would, which would help him to find his way back. So I need the public to just keep an eye out. Uh, he's a fairly sizable bird. Um, 
yeah, it's not something you'd see regularly going around if you're down the ramparts or anything. So any sighting at all uh, would help us to get them back. So has anybody seen a stray peacock in the Dunmo area of County Mead? Could he have travelled far? You know, that's just a thing as well. Do you think he's close to home? Absolutely, because um, when they fly, they can't fly further than kind of a mile in one go. But they travel um, with their legs, like they can walk three to four kilometers um, in in a day, no problem. Because that's just the breed they are. It's like, yeah, they're, they're used to being on the ground. They can travel a fair distance. Hence, I, he could be anywhere. So he could be anywhere. And uh, there's no need to describe peacock. Everybody understands typical looking peacock. Simple as that. Yeah, but in at his age, because he's still so young, he wouldn't have the full tail feathers yet, so he'd be still very brown uh, at the at the back. He has the blue neck and he has a little crown on his head, but he's not a full-size peacock yet, and he doesn't have the full fa- tail feathers that people would know with the eye markings on them. So he's still a bit smaller. Okay, so uh, uh, not just fully developed yet, but you will recognise. Absolutely. And we have your number here. If anybody uh, has any information on his whereabouts or have picked him up or has seen anything, you can give us a shout here at the station, 041 Do you want to give out your own number? It's up to yourself. You have it, so I'll, I'll leave it with you. So okay. you have the number yes, there yes. Uh, on file. So I any, have any the content. number here, is right, yeah, and we'll absolutely. pass it on if anybody can help you. I hope he's home Thank soon. Thank you very much, Jerry, for having us on. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. Have a nice afternoon. That's Verena Stapleton. Ah. And they love their peacock, don't they, Louise? These people uh, are really, they're upset that he's gone, Winston. Yeah, they and really their children, are. I think two children, yeah. they're devastated. Yeah, so can you help at all? Have you seen him in the Dunmo area or come across him or whatever? Give us a shout and we'll put you in contact with Verena. I really do hope they get them back. Anyway, that uh, story of, of of the hiding of the chockies has resonated with late lunch listeners. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I told you, loads yeah. of people have to hide the kids' yeah, chocolate. Yeah, I can't believe believe it that uh, so many people have been in touch just to say they hide the sweets and the goodies and, and the uh, the chockies etc there you go there you go do you remember the time, remember the time a couple of years ago that I um, you know as you do coming up to Christmas you buy extra boxes of roses as presents and I just had left them on the hall table and I threw them in the car delivered them happy Christmas and then I week later or so I was moved one of the kids beds to clean underneath and found a bowl of empty wrappers <laughs> of roses so I had given away as Christmas presents opened half empty boxes of roses so embarrassed Katrina you're a legend <laughs> Isn't that I was just... mortified can you imagine what they were saying about you at Christmas time that I never m- even checked the little, you know, the, way the little mean, lock on it. That main biatch <laughs> gave us chockies that you'd taken some of. And all the strawberry flavoured ones are gone. <laughs> did you let them know or did you just let it say? I know, if I met them, I kind of <laughs> ran the other way. No, I, <laughs> I absolutely love that. On a serious note, breaking news, a man has been arrested in the last few moments on the suspicion of the murder of Ashling Murphy. That news is just breaking. That's a development you're going to hear more about on our news here through the evening. It's just emerging. A man has been arrested. So uh, we'll have more on that here in LMFM on our news at three and throughout the evening. Uh, coming up on Late Lunch after three. Ah, oh, we have a lovely little man for you to meet. His name is Keen Griffin. He goes to school in his wheelchair every day. 
I don't have to tell you. Dog dirt on the pavement. Ah, he's talking to us after three. Uh, Le Miz, I have another cracking song for you, but taking us to news, weather and sport at three. It's Tom Grennan and a little bit of love. On to pieces, swimming in the deep end, trying to find my way back to you because I need a little bit of love. Mary's been on to say, oh God, Jerry Louise put the heart crossways in me about the chocolates. I've just checked the uh, Best Buy dates on them and it's March 2022. You better get eaten, Mary. <laughs> I'll give them to somebody else because March will be with us really, really soon. Now, moving on on the show today and, you know, uh, all this year I'm featuring soundtracks from musicals and movies. And this week it's a musical, my favourite of all time, Les Miserables. Yes, today I want to focus on the funny but unscrupulous innkeeper Thenardier and his wife, Madame Thenardier, a couple who are above nothing and below everything. They have a daughter, Eponine, who they adore and care for Cosette, little Cosette, daughter of Fantine, who died earlier in the production of Consumption. Cassette, unfortunately, and because of circumstances, is supposedly cared for by the unscrupulous innkeeper and his wife, who are so cruel to her and treat her so badly. And you see, when Fantine, her mum, died, she entrusted Cosette into the care of Valjean, but of course he has his own problems at this time. But at this point in the production, he meets up with Cosette and understands how difficult the young girl's life has been. He wants to take her with him to Paris, but the innkeeper and his wife smell money and won't let her go until the price is right. Here's Matt Lucas playing Monsieur Thenardier from the 25th anniversary show with a truly memorable number. And... I'll tell you, you think about Le Mis and how it breaks your heart, you're happy one minute, sad the next, but there is great fun through it too. Here he is, Matt Lucas, Le Mis. Master of the house, doling out the charm, ready with a handshake and an open palm, tells a saucy tale, creates a little stir, customers appreciate a bomb beaver, glad to do a friend a favour. Doesn't cost me to be nice But nothing gets you nothing Everything has got a little price Master of the house Keeper of the zoo Ready to relieve him of a sou or two Ordering the wine Making up the weight And picking up their knickknacks when they can't see straight Everybody loves the landlord Everybody's bosom friend I'll do whatever pleases Jesus when I bleed him in the end. Ah, simply brilliant. Master of the House from Les Mis. Matt Lucas there, the innkeeper and uh, the part of the uh, wife played by Jenny Galloway in the 25th anniversary celebration. More from and about Les Mis at this time tomorrow. Final break of the afternoon and a young man from County Mead 
ain't a bit happy and he's going to tell me why next. I'll do my best. Empty chairs and empty tables. Nick Jonas from Le Mis. Leave it with me, a listener just in touch with me there. Now, a young man is going to round off late lunch with us today when I tell you that he goes to uh, St. Paul's School in Rathout. He's in fourth class, but he has a real problem. He's 11 years of age. Keen Griffin, hello. Hi. Thank you for joining me on my show. Tell us what's happened to you. I I go to a real school. A real a real to real to school every day, and there was a lot of dog poo on the ground one day, and I tried to avoid it, but there was too much on the ground. On one occasion, the dog poo went on my wheelchair, and my mom had to wheel wheel me the rest of the way to school. When we got there, we had to clean. We had to clean up the the dog poo from a wheels. Oh, this is just not good enough. So you use a wheelchair and on your way to school one day, dog poo, the wheel went through and you couldn't touch it then with your hands, Keen. Yeah. No, you couldn't. And when you got to school, your mam and your SNA, Gillian, had to clean up the, the chair and it wasn't that easy. So there's lots of dog poo. Is there, Keen, on the way to school? Yeah, there is, and and I'm I'm really afraid to like try to avoid it because um I think that the doctor is gonna go on my hands and then I'll be, uh, and then I'll end up in hospital. Yes, because it is dangerous if you got it in your hands and it got into your system. You have a tr- a twin brother called Calvin. I believe does he walk ahead of you trying to keep an eye out for the poos? Yeah, he does. Imagine having to send your your brother ahead of you to keep a a lookout for you. And so what's happened is you posted a video of of your problem and and the dog poo and the chair, didn't you? Yep. And loads of people have uh, been in touch with you, haven't they, about this since? Yep. And they're really annoyed, like I am too, that this is happening. And um, not alone in Retote, you were in Dunboyne recently as well, and uh, there's a lot of dog poo on the streets there too, Keen. Uh, yeah, um, there was there was a lot, a lot of dog poo, and we and my mum had to, had to clean up a buggy for my auntie because they also rolled into dog poo. Yes, I know your auntie had. Uh, your cousin in a buggy, and she had the same thing. She uh, had a wheel, go through the poo, and then it had to be cleaned up because you were on your way, I know, to do some shopping uh, as well. Um, this is this is terrible, isn't it, Keen? This is not nice. And, and what would you like to say today to people who own dogs who don't pick up the poo? Do you want to say something to them? Yeah, it only takes a few seconds and it will help me to wheel myself to school every day. Good man. Are you listening, folks, to that message? It only takes a few seconds to pick it up and Keen will be able to wheel his chair to school every day without worry. Now, Keen, we want to say, don't we, lots of people do pick up the poo. Yeah, lots of people do pick up the poo, but there's just a tiny bit that don't. Yes, and those small few that don't really impact on everybody you children walking on it we heard what you said there your auntie with the buggy too so your message is out there and you're getting a really strong positive reaction you must be delighted with that you're famous do you know that Keen? yeah 
And you're going to be even more famous today here with me on LMFM's Late Lunch as all these thousands and thousands of people are listening to you. Your mammy's beside you there. Will you put me onto her for a second, please? Hello. Neve. how are you? Hi, how are you? You have, a, you have a great wee man there. Oh, he's the best. I have to say, he's so good and so positive in every situation. He is indeed. And look, this has really caught people's imagination. Uh, you know, the posting of, of, of the video of him, it's gone mad, hasn't it? Oh, it really has. Yeah, <laughs> those people that said they shared it in New Zealand, I was like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it's really good. It's really, like, it's, people have been so kind and so nice. The messages going back and forth. One um, person said they actually bring extra bags with them to pick up other people's dog poo, which I thought was amazing and fair play to them in fairness. But um, they shouldn't have to do that. And Keane shouldn't have to clean the wheels. But it is what it is. And hopefully Keane's little video now. We had enough the other day and we said, like, let's see, can we make a bit of a change here and post the video? So that's what we did. And the response has been amazing. Like, even people have gotten in touch wanting to give him, like, parcels and sweets. And Grafton Barb has gotten in touch wanting to send him out some hair gel. Like, it's just been amazing. Mm, and rightly so because he is highlighting an issue that has raised its head many times here on my show but uh, I've actually never spoken to anyone uh, as young as Keen who's encountered the problem in a chair you know what I mean going along to school oh my god I just shudder even to think about the bloody disgusting uh, nature of it and as he said himself he put the message really strongly there it only takes a minute to have the wee bag in your pocket doesn't it and pick it up that's it like just a second to pick it up and you're gone like and it takes so long to clean off like we had a nightmare packets of wipes death all spray everything to try and get it off the chair and that was just to try and stop it going on his hands because then he put his hands to his eyes and he can end up blind apparently I don't really know the out- ins and outs of it but yeah it's just to try and prevent all that You are right there's a little thing in dog poo I have to say and if it gets into the eye it's a very serious matter indeed and that is always the worry with it you know that people should always pick it up in their gardens around their homes and certainly pick it up when they're out in a public place on the street and you know what you say there I often see it in my area we have three schools near us and when I see it on the ground oh my god almighty think of a child you know this is highlighted another issue now a child walking in it how hard is it to get it out of it you know the crevices on a shoe and everything oh jeepers it's shocking It's a nightmare. It really is a nightmare. And it's terrible because then you're walking it in around your home where you could have a toddler crawling on the floor. Yes. And and they're probably going to put their hands to their eyes or their mouth as well. So, Mm. yeah, it really is a big problem. But hopefully, like people see, everybody has said, if you don't change after seeing that message from Key in the video that there's definitely something wrong. So hopefully it made a bit of a difference. I don't know what will work. Here's a listener on to it saying, yes, Jerry, the same problem on the footpaths in Dunshockland. Absolutely disgusting. It's just a minority who won't clean up from their dogs. And that is the tr- the thing to say. It is now a minority. I would say that for sure now. And this is uh, right across the northeast, right across the country and beyond. It's a big problem. I believe something now. I think Keen Griffin is going to be the poster boy for a new campaign. What about that? <laughs> Oh, that would be amazing. He'd love that. He already thinks he's famous. I absolutely think he is. I think he's really touched a nerve here for so many people. And good on him and good on you for highlighting this matter again. It needs to be highlighted. Uh, put me back onto him, will you? There. And by the way, Neve, we've just uh, uh, it's posted across our social media channels here on LMFM now to spread it even uh, further, far and wide. So we're we're adding uh, to his fame here, hopefully, and oh, the message and the serious so message. No, you're very yeah. welcome. Put him back onto me before we go, will you? Hi, Keen. 
we've just posted it all over social media and more and more people are going to see it beyond today. And I think now you've started off a new campaign to make people more conscious about picking up their dog poos. And I want to say, Keen, thank you for doing this. Welcome. Ah, oh, you're a great fella. Thank you so much indeed. You're a great man and uh, good luck to you with the campaign and your school and everything that goes along with it. Hope you have a great year this year and uh, we're delighted yourself and your mum could join us on the show today. Thanks a million. Thank you. And one one time, one time my uh, when I went into school, my class gave me a big clap a big, I've seen my video. a big round of applause for you. I ain't surprised. I am just thrilled to hear that. You see that? Yeah, they really appreciate you and, and, and what you've done as well. Good on your classmates as well in fourth class in St. Paul's School in Retault. They've done great. They really have. Anyway, we'll talk to you again. Take care of yourself, Keen. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Isn't he just fantastic? Look at the video. Check it out. He's a great wee fella. He really is. And he's brought attention to something that needs highlighting again. Come on. Pick it up, folks. That's a lot on late lunch for this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Coming up on tomorrow's show, John Lowe, the money doctor. His annual is out again. He's going to run through all the aspects of your fine, uh, finances here on the show. And Trina Doherty is talking to me about a saint from yesteryear, but a very important one, St. Luke, on the show. We have, of course, more from Lemiz and plenty more besides coming up on Wednesday. We leave you today. Eddie Caffrey's raring to go with the drive next. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio and do come back for your midweek late lunch from 1.30 tomorrow. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dogan Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.